A last will and testament, by the way, is a document that discloses a person's final wishes, usually pertaining to possessions. Ultimately, it's the author's final say in what they will leave or bequeath to those that are left behind. Uh, By the way, we had a great uh, sliding party uh, yesterday, sledding party. I say sliding, some people don't know what that is. Uh, sledding party uh, in East End. Amanda did a great job with her team, and, and uh, that was fun to go there and, and uh, watch the, the goings-on. Uh, amazing. Um, but a last will and testament is an important document. The last will and testament of Jesus Christ is what he desired to leave with us. The series is based on the events that occurred in the upper room You'll find the, the discourse, the upper room discourse in, in John 13 through 17. And it's what Jesus wanted to send us out with. And I, I know I say that a lot, but it seems very important to me. He knows he's about to be crucified. What does he want to leave with us? This, this seems to me it would be very important. Today, part three, we'll uh, pick up the account in John 13, 36. We'll read about 10 verses down to John 14, verse 7. And the message is called, The Road Less Traveled. So we pick it up in verse 36 of John 13. Simon Peter said unto him, Whither goest thou? Jesus answered and said, Whither I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered and said, said, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto you, the rooster shall not crow, and you will have denied me three times. Now, Now we head into chapter 14. Chapters and verses, by the way, were were added in the 13th century for reference and for convenience, okay? I say, turn to John chapter 13, and you know where to go. You know how to get there. Uh, But the chapters and verses are not authoritative. They are not God-breathed. And here we have what I would consider to be an unfortunate chapter break. It, It reads... It reads different than when you read it in a flow as opposed to the break in a chapter. So Jesus answered him and said, Will you really lay down your life for my sake? Verily I say unto you, The rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go... Jesus said, to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again, and I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and you know the way. Thomas said unto him, I love Thomas. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there. And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father 
except by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. The title of the sermon today comes from a Robert Frost poem. The title of the poem is called The Road Not Taken. It's about two paths that diverge in the woods. And the final stanza of the poem says this, I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that made all the difference. And maybe this is the idea that Jesus is trying to impart to us. He's, he's doing his best to prepare the disciples, this, this band of brothers, these ordinary men, this collection of rough around the edges, working class, sometimes crude, often brash, everyday, common, not unlike you and not unlike me, men that he had poured so much of himself into. Maybe he was telling them, and through them he was telling us that there are two paths to take. And if you take the one less traveled, it'll make all the difference. It's the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. It's what he desperately wanted to bequeath to us. It's what he wanted us to know. It's what he wanted to leave with us as, as he returned home to heaven. He was leaving us with his itinerary. Verse 36 there says, Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Where are you going? And so Jesus gives us his itinerary. An itinerary is a travel plan. Jesus had one. He, he knew where he had been. He, he knew where he was. And he, and he knew where he was going. And, and he knew the disciples couldn't come yet. He answered them, Where I go, you cannot follow me now. But you will follow me after. For Jesus, the itinerary included leaving his leaving his, his home in glory, think about that, and taking up residence on planet Earth, a place he created with a people he had created. Back in John chapter 1, fascinating portion of Scripture, it says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, now the Word, the term Word, is a reference to Jesus Christ. So let's read that first verse over again. In the, so again, Word equals Jesus Christ, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, by the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Down to verse 14 of, of John chapter 1, and if you... 
If you're not buying into what I'm saying so far, this will help. It says, the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh that speaks of Jesus and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. It was the glory of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word because He was the means through which the Father brought all physical reality into existence and because He is the one who represents the Father's invisible nature and character to all of creation. Just, listen to this, just as your spoken word is the physical manifestation of your thoughts and personality, Jesus is the word of the invisible God to his creation. Colossians 1.15 says, who is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Like our words represent us, Jesus represents the Father. He is God manifest in the flesh. He is God incarnate. Uh, John chapter 5, 37, 38 says, And the Father himself, which this is Jesus talking, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. So we haven't seen God, we haven't heard his voice. But they saw Jesus, right? And you, and, if, and you have not his word abiding in you for whom he sent, Jesus, you believe not. He's telling the world. The itinerary of Jesus brought him to earth to be a visible manifestation of the word of God. The Word was made flesh. Jesus dwelt among us. Now some rejected Him. The, the ascension was the culmination of a whirlwind 53 days that included the crucifixion and the resurrection. These would be the three climactic events ending the Savior's time on earth. The crucifixion, the resurrection and the ascension when he ascended into heaven. His, his travel plan, his itinerary, which took him from heaven to earth, would now take him from earth to heaven. But it wasn't time for the disciples to go. Yet, Jesus would, would go on ahead, and they would have to decide if they wanted to follow or not. It was all happening so fast. Jesus, Jesus came and, and took them on this three and a half year adventure where they left their jobs and they left their families and they saw miracles and they, and they heard wisdom so profound it would take your breath away. They saw Jesus heal the sick and feed the hungry and calm the storm. And at every turn, Jesus offered hope. It didn't matter where people had been. It didn't matter what they had done. Jesus always spoke words of life. They were, they were to the point, the disciples were to the point where they would follow him anywhere. Then came the crucifixion. They were, they were stunned. They, they hid in fear, most of them. 
But then the resurrection, and it was all back on the table. Hope was revived. Everything he had said was coming to pass. And then Jesus ascends into the clouds, into, into heaven. And once again, the disciples stand at the proverbial fork in the road. Will you lay down your life for my sake? Jesus said. Verily I tell you, the rooster will not crow, and you will have denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In these two simple and familiar verses, separated by the chapter break, Jesus lays out the two choices. And the two choices are very simple. Lay down your life for my sake or deny me. Those are the choices. There is no middle ground with Christianity. Either you're in or you're out. You take one road or the other. There are two choices. There are two paths, two foundations, two directions, two roads. The Bible says in Matthew 7, Enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that enter thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. One road is wide and popular. The other road is narrow and you will often travel it alone. You have to really want it. You have to intentionally choose it. It doesn't just happen. There's a reason it's the road less traveled. There can be no doubt, hear me church, there can be no doubt Christianity is paddling upstream. If you pull your paddle in, you're drifting backwards. Christianity is the path of most resistance. To not serve Jesus is most certainly easier. Christianity, here's, here's the best definition of Christianity. Christianity is belonging to Christ. Christianity is voluntary servitude. It's a surrendering of our rights. It's a yielding of our will. It's an acknowledgement that all that we have belongs to Him. Christianity says to God, I am yours. Not eight hours a day and 40 hours a week, but I belong to you every day. All day, I'm a slave to Jesus. I voluntarily choose to surrender all that I am to you. My life, my hopes, my dreams, my future, my time, my talent, my treasury. As a Christian, I acknowledge that it's all His. I am but a manager. He has entrusted my life and my resources to me. And I'm called to manage it. And one day... I will give an account. Now most choose, hear me now, most choose to take everything God entrusted to them and, and use it as their own. 
That's the easy way. That's the wide road. That's what most do. That's the choice we make as we stand at the fork in the road. Most will take the wide road. I took the road less traveled by. The itinerary of Jesus left the disciples with a decision to make. They, they would give up, give their life and live it, live it their own way, or they would choose to believe and continue to take Jesus at His word. Both decisions would lead someplace. Every itinerary has a destination. Every road takes you somewhere. Every path leads someplace. Jesus had gone. He had ascended into heaven. And part of his upper room discourse, part of what he wanted to leave with the disciples at the reading of his last will and testament was what would be waiting for them if they took the road less traveled. Here's what he says. John 14, verses 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'll come again and I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The wide road and the narrow road, they're divergent paths. They're conflicting. They, they travel in different directions. They're mutually exclusive. It's not both and. It's either or. You cannot choose both. You can only choose one. And to not choose is in fact a choice. The wide road is the default selection. The wide road is the default selection. If you do not choose Jesus, you default to choosing your own way. That's why pastors and preachers are so nutso about confronting people with the choice. We desperately want to, to see the choice played out before you because to not choose is to choose. If you do not choose Jesus, you default to the wide road. Pastors want you to know where the wide road leads so you know exactly what you're choosing. The, the devil doesn't want to tell you all of this. The wide road leads to a place called hell. It's not a very pleasant thought. And it's not a very popular teaching these days. But remember, it's the wide road. It's more popular, more well-traveled than the narrow road. It's the easy path. It's downhill. It's clear sailing. The problem is the wide road has a destination. Choosing not to think about the destination doesn't change the destination. If I jump out of an airplane and I don't believe in gravity... It doesn't change the size of the splat I leave on the sidewalk. <laughs> the destination of the wide road is, is described in some detail in the Bible. Matthew 25, verse 46, and, and says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. 2 Thessalonians 1.9, Who shall be punished 
with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Matthew 13, 50, And shall cast them into the, the furnace of fire where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mark 9, 43, If your hand offends thee, cut it off. It's better to go into life maimed than to have two hands and go into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Jude 1, 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example. Sodom and Gomorrah are an example to us, it says, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Matthew 13, 42, And shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25, 41, Then shall he say unto them on the left, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Revelation 19, 20, The beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. And them that worshipped his image. And both were cast alive into the lake of fire and brimstone. Revelation 20, 13 and 14. And the sea gave up their dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Those are, those are unpleasant thoughts. We would all like to think that all roads lead up the same mountain to heaven. But the Bible indicates that's not the case. There's only one road that leads to life, and it's a narrow road. And all the other roads lead to hell. It's the wide road, and many there be that take it. I want my itinerary to line up with the travel plan of Jesus. I've gone ahead to prepare a place for you, he said, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the narrow road. Where does the narrow road lead? Revelation 22 describes a very different picture than what we just read about. It says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they shall need no candle, neither the light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. C.S. Lewis said, Your place in heaven will seem to be made for you, and for you alone, because you were made for it. Revelation 21 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes, and there shall be no more death, and no more sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. 
And he said unto me, it's done. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the water of life freely. And he that overcomes, he that overcomes, he that overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Listen, church, there's, there's two roads. There's two destinations. And it's our job as Christians to present people with a distinct choice. We cannot decide for people, but we can point out the fork in the road. Speaking of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, chapter 28, it says there came many to his lodging where he expounded and testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, the Apostle Paul, persuading people concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning until evening. The guy's trying to talk people into receiving Christ. And you know what it says in verse 24? Some believed and some believed not. It's not your job to decide for others. It's your job to present them with the choice. There are two roads, two paths, two ways. You get to choose. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by. And it made all the difference. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter you in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which enter thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. Would you bow your head with me? Lord, it's a, it seems like a distinct and clear choice. And I think the part that grips me the most is that not choosing is choosing. There's a default choice. And to not choose Jesus means we've chosen our own way. And so today, Lord, we, in this sanctuary, in this gathering place, we're all confronted with a choice. It's a fork in the road. One road leads to life and one road leads to destruction. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and that's just to give people privacy. It's not a magic formula. And you're here today and 
you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never made that distinct choice. Where in a moment of time, you said, I choose Jesus. I will choose to live for Him. I belong to Jesus as of this moment. Not eight hours a day and 40 hours a week, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 366 leap year, which was yesterday. If that's you today, you need Jesus. You're saying, I give my life to Jesus. I surrender everything I am to Him today. I choose the narrow road. If that's you, would you slip up your hand so I can include you in our closing prayer today? Raise your hand. Raise it high. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. Someone else today, you need Jesus. You're committing your life to Him. You're surrendering it to Him. You're saying, I'm choosing the narrow road today. I'm choosing the way of life. Someone else today, slip up your hand so I can include you. I see that hand back there. Thank you, Jesus. Someone else. I see that hand. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Three, four hands so far have gone up. God bless you. I see that hand in the back. I see that butt, pal. God bless you, man. God bless you. Someone else today. You need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today you're choosing the narrow road. Today you're choosing the way that leads to life. Lord, thank you for those that have responded today. Lord, I pray that that this wouldn't be the end of it for them, that they would tell somebody that they, they made the decision to love you and to serve you. They chose today to, to surrender their life to you, to, to voluntarily enter into servitude to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you, Lord, that you laid out your itinerary. You said, you know where I'm going. You know how to get there. And Thomas said, Lord, I don't, I don't know where you're going and I don't know how to get there. And you said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. So we recognize, Lord, that the way to heaven is Jesus. So Lord, we confess you as Lord. We confess you as Savior. I have no hope of righteousness except in Jesus Christ. So Lord, I receive by faith what you did for me on Calvary's cross. I repent of my sin. I repent of living my own life. And I commit this morning to living my life for you that I might bring glory and honor to your name that where you are, I may be also. We pray that this morning in the precious name of Jesus.